Just as a disclaimer, we want you to know that some of the movies that we will be reviewing were shot in a different time and era where people of race and sex were not treated equally. We understand this and hope you do too. The movies or anything that happened on the sets are not the views of this podcast or what this show is intended to be all about. Exactly. And we want to give due diligence in presenting the movie and not the views of the cast or directors or anyone involved. But we also feel it's necessary to let the audience know some of the background information to get a feel for what was happening at the time of shooting the film. Again, we hope you understand that we do not agree with everything that went on and we just want to give out the information. And with that being said, hope you enjoy the show. Fired the gun empty, and then stopped to reload. By the power vested in me by the state of Maine, I hereby order you to serve two life sentences back to back. One for each of your victims. So be it. They send you here for life. That's exactly what they take. I believe in two things. Discipline. Help me, Jack! And the Bible. Here you receive both. And he came to Shawshank Prison in 1947. Why'd you do it? I didn't, since you asked. <laughs> you can sit right in. I must admit, I didn't think much of Andy the first time I laid eyes on him. He had a quiet way about him. A walk and a talk that just wasn't normal around here. There are places in the world that aren't made out of stone. There's something inside they can't touch. What are talking about? Hope. Let me tell you something, my friend. Hope is a dangerous thing. Damn it, you friend, you're putting me behind. Hope can drive a man insane. You better be sick or dead in there, I kid you not. I'm better get used to that idea. Oh, my holy God. Because it comes down to a simple choice, really. Too busy living. Get busy dying. Get busy living. Or get busy dying. Alright guys, welcome back to the Tragedy of Cinema podcast, where today we'll be talking about, well, it's actually episode number 35, yeah, the Shawshank back. Redemption. And uh, we were looking schedule. Yeah, we finally. were looking back at our records, and this is actually the first movie. Uh, episode that we've covered that's, you since know, Thanksgiving. since Thanksgiving. And we were like, wow, that's kind <laughs> of a long time. So, uh, The Shawshank Redemption, we actually have in studio today with us uh, one of my best friends, Patrick. Good night, Patrick. Say hello. Hello. Yeah, don't don't mind that he sounds like Kermit the Frog and I sound like Elmo. And then you have <laughs> MVP voice over there, Terrence. So, um, this, this movie. I went back and rewatched it. Terrence just rewatched it, which opened his eyes to some. And we got Patrick, who has never watched it. So, 
We got three different perspectives here, and uh, but we're going to throw Patrick in there doing some of the cast and stuff. So if he Terrence's some of the words, don't be too mad at him. So Terrence, let's take her away. Wait, aren't we going to do a question? You want me to do a question? I mean, it's a normal episode. All right, you watch your favorite Stephen King movie. Ooh. How about that? There, since this is a Stephen, Stephen King, King adaptation of his book. All right, since, since we're not doing series, we're going movie. I'm going to go with The Mist. The Mist. Patrick, really enjoy The Mist. If you want to technically go by movie, I'd have to say Stand By Me. But if you want to go Stephen King, I like uh, The Stand. The Stand's a great, great miniseries, great book. All right, Terrence, now you can take it away. Well, all maybe. Right. Do you okay. want to talk about anything else before we get going? How, how's your day going? It's doing all right. Okay. So off to the... <laughs> and we're off. All right. Uh, so, obviously, we're doing The Shawshank Redemption. Uh, release date, October 14th, 1997. Its budget was $25 million estimated, and its opening week in USA, get this, it only made $727.3,000 opening weekend. This is probably the biggest flop that we've, that we've done. Like, I know we've done some flops, but this is bad. Like, $27 million to only make. And, and do you want to know why? Do you want me to go ahead and tell you why? Because because it's not a very good movie. How about that? <laughs> this is one of this is a classic case of becoming a cult classic. That's true. This not yeah. it's it's just an okay movie. Um, I love Morgan Freeman to death. I love him in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, one of my favorite movies. Yeah, but this movie is just okay. If I want to watch a jail movie, well, let's just go ahead and give the synopsis real quick of this movie, and then we'll dive into the rest of it, just so people know what we're talking about. This is basically about. Two guys that become friends in jail, and then over time, over time, they grow uh, you know, yeah. connection, and, and, then, and it kind of shows the main character's uh, adaptation to his new life in prison, right? Uh, and the hope that he has that he because he's always claimed his innocence, yep. And the hope that you will be free one day, and then when he yep. when the actual truth comes out that he spoiler alert that he was innocent, he exacts his revenge, yep, and uh, perfect prison escape. Yep, okay. exactly. But to me, if I want to watch a good prison movie, I'm watching The Green Mile. Because I think that is 100 times better than this movie. Which is interesting. Same director. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll go ahead and continue on. But I'm just yeah. saying, even though it was nominated for all these movies, you got to remember that the same movies that came out in the theater at the same time as this... You had Jurassic Park, Pulp Fiction. You know, yes. Yeah. So there was. What are you going to choose? Huge movies. A giant Tyrannosaurus Rex chasing people, eating them, or hey, we're sitting in prison. You want to throw this baseball? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean just, <laughs> all right. Sorry, we got so, a little rabbit trail already. Uh, Gross USA it didn't do too much better. It made uh, twenty eight point six million, so just above their budget. So it didn't even double, which is typically what you want to see. You want to see at least double at least the make numbers your money back to make your money back, and then have that. Uh, the, the doubling being the profit. Hey, we might be going somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then it doesn't get much better. So that was twenty eight point <laughs> six million gross USA. Cumulative worldwide gross is twenty eight point seven. So just just a one hundred thousand more yeah. <laughs> from overseas. So how uh, much did it actually make? Uh, let's see. Do you know? Oh, worldwide I mean, gross was. I mean, like I said, between the red and the black line. Uh oh. Um, Do you see what I'm saying? Did it? It only like okay. So from its budget uh, to how much it made, it only made eight point seven million extra. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, 
three point seven million extra. So not much. Not much. Nope. From for for cinema, that's that's considered really 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 bad. Because like I said, a, like to be good, you want to double, and then anything after a double, you're doing good. Right. Um. But despite this being a flop, it has a pretty good director, which is uh, Frank. Uh, <laughs> Welcome back to Terrence. Uh, Frank Darabont, names. who also directed The Green Mile, The Mist, and the series of Adventures of Young Indiana Jones. So Classic. good director, Classic. just unfortunate circumstance with this movie, which did you know become a cult classic. Now, do you know if this was his first directorial debut? That I don't. I don't think so, though, because uh, there, there. I believe there's. Let some me see what I can movies. find out while you're going. Because uh, he also did. Um, gosh, now I'm now I'm drawing a blank. Uh, he, he's done some older movies though, so this isn't a, this isn't his debut movie. Uh, I believe he did some movies in the '80s. So while you're looking that up, I'm just going to move on to the writing credits, which is uh, obviously the original writer of the book. Which yeah, is, this was uh, his di- was it directorial oh, okay. debut? All right, so. it was his directorial debut. That is my bad. All right, um, so the obviously the Stephen King uh, short story, which was called uh, Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption. Um, the screenplay was written by Frank Darabont. Technical specs: We're looking at a runtime of two hours and twenty-two minutes. The sound mix is Dolby Digital. Uh, this movie's in color. Aspect ratio is 1.85 by 1, which is pretty unique. It's not something we typically see. Uh, we got the camera Aeroflex 35BL4S. Uh, now, interesting thing about uh, Aeroflex, which is the Aeroflex uh, Airy, is this camera company is based off uh, uh, out of Munich, Munich, Germany. I, I butchered that. Munich. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, so th- this is... This camera has almost, it's selected for certain movies, but a lot of these are very sort of um, interesting movies. So big hit movies that the same camera was used in was uh, Hugo, Life of Pi, Gravity, and Birdman, uh, Birdman, and Revenant. That was another uh, movie that used this uh, particular camera, um, which coincides with the lenses that it comes with which is the z standard speed and super speed lenses uh, typically those two were used together uh, they're j- both german manufactured um and they're typically used in tandem now here's what's interesting they use the movie compact camera also with more z lenses the movie compact was a camera that came out in the 1990s and um it was typically used for uh, music videos, commercials, also for special effects, and uh, in very rare occasions, but in some occasions for cinema. Uh, so I thought that was interesting, seeing as the camera is typically used for either special effects or smaller production value things. Um, but uh, this company, the uh, Movie Cam, still going strong, and they still make those, you know, uh, Movie Cam compacts. All right, so Lavatory. This was edited in Do Art Film Lavatories in New York, USA. I think that's the first time we've seen that. New York? No, oh, the, no, no, yeah, the yeah, the company. Do Art Film Lavatories. Yeah, yeah that's, that's usually that's Hollywood. You know. Yeah, usually. I think we've seen one other one in New York, but it wasn't this. Right. Uh, so we're outside of, uh, uh, at least for one of them, because this was also edited in Technicolor Hollywood, USA. Um, film length. 3,907 meters. Then we're looking at the negative format, which is 35 millimeter. 
then we got the cinemagraphic process, which is spherical. And then finally, printed film format, your classic 35 millimeter. And as far as um, the camera airflex goes, it was one of the most popular 35 millimeters. Still is one of the most popular 35 millimeter cameras to use. Um, now we're finally off to the awards. There's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so sadly, though, didn't win a, yeah, any of the major yeah, ones, even exactly. though they were nominated. So um, the biggest one being the uh, Oscars. It didn't win a single Oscar, um, and a little fact that I forgot to throw in is that this is number 72 on the AFI Top 100 movie list. There you go, Dad. We threw it in there for you so you can stop badgering <laughs> me. So it is number 72. Consider this number 72 of the greatest movies of all time. So uh, we got Academy Awards USA 1995. Only nominations. No wins. Uh, so they were nominated for Best Picture, Nikki Marvin. Uh, Best Actor in Leading Role, Morgan Freeman. Best Writing Screenplay Based on Material Previously Produced or Published, Frank Darabont. Best Cinematography, Roger Dinkins. Uh, Best Sound, which is Robert J. Litt, Elliot Tyson, Michael Herbick, Willie D. Burton. Uh, Best Film Editing, Richard Francis Bruce. Best Music Original Score, Thomas Newman. Then we got the Golden Globes, 1995. Once again, only nominations. So, uh, best Performance by an Actor in a Motion Picture Drama, Morgan Freeman. Best Screenplay Motion Picture, Frank Darabont. Screen Actors Guild, 1995. Only nominations. <laughs> uh, outstanding Performance by a Male Actor in a Leading Role, Morgan Freeman. Outstanding Performance by a Male Actor in a Leading Role, Tim Robbins. Uh, then we got the 2020 awards in 2015. So, long time later. Uh, <laughs> but not so long ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so we got the, they were once again only nominated though. Uh, for the Felix, for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Morgan Freeman. Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films USA 2016. We can never escape these awards, <laughs> no matter what we cover. Uh, they did win a Saturn Award here uh, for Best DVD Blu-ray uh, Collection, which is for The Green Mile, The Majestic, and... How is this even... It's Honestly, I believe it's because Green Mile and Majestic carry a lot of weight, So then, and this is kind of on the coattails of those two movies. Yeah, but um, science fiction, fantasy, and... Yeah, so it, it did also appear in the same... Uh, awards in uh, 1995, so they were nominated when it, when it first came out, and that was the Saturn Award for Best Action Adventure Thriller Film. Okay, see that makes more sense, but 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 just and the Academy Best of Writing. Science Fiction. But the fact, yeah, the fact that it's in here, yeah, it doesn't make sense. It, it, it's kind of yeah, uh, I don't know, maybe because they were like Stephen King. It has That's to go probably here. what and it has even to be because he's a horror author. It's you a, know what it's, I mean? it's a it's a huge far cry from all of his other writings because oh, yeah. it's it's not any of these things. No. Um, then we have e no, let's skip that one. It's <laughs> like I can't pronounce that. Not even that. It's just uh, you know. There's a lot of there's a lot they didn't win. Is they're it? not winning. So yeah, here we go. <laughs> oh, we got a winner. <laughs> American Society of Cinematographers USA 1995 winner uh, ASC Award Outstanding Achievement in Cinematography in Theatrical Releases Roger Dinkins. Uh, then they did win in the uh, American. Or, I'm sorry, Awards Circuit Community Awards 1994. Interesting. The year prior. 
uh, winner, ACCA, for uh, Best Adapted Screenplay and Best Cinematography. And we'll just skip the nominations because there are a lot and they didn't win, so I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> uh, awards of the Japanese Academy, 1996. So, winner, Award of the Japanese Academy for Best Foreign Film. So, they did win something around their time. There we go. Uh, Cambridge, 1995. Uh, winner for Bronze Frog. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's new. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, Roger Dinkins and then nominated for Golden Frog so <laughs> sounds like they got third place and they were nominated for first and didn't uh, make the cut alright uh, where do we go, where do they come up with some yeah. of these awards I know right um, like like the schmooze that one's my favorite yeah the schmooze the schmooze uh, da, 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 da. Let's go Dallas-Fort Worth Film Critics Association Awards 1995 winner of this really long award title. <laughs> Best Cinematography, Robert Dinkins, uh, tied with John Troll for Legends of the Fall. That was a good movie. And then there's a nomination for Best Picture and Best Actor, Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman is all over these. Oh, yeah. Um, the Directors Guild of America, USA 1995. They're only nominated for Outstanding uh, Directional Achievement in Motion Pictures. The Grammy Awards 1995, only nominated for Best <laughs> Instrumental Composition Written for a Motion Picture or Television, Thomas Newman. Newman. Uh, nope. Uh, Hochi Film Awards 1995. You Hochi, yeah, Hochi, uh, which is why I mentioned it. <laughs> they won the Hochi Film Award for Best Foreign Language Film. Uh, Frank Darabont. Uh, Kinema Junpo Awards, 1996. Winner of the Kinema Junpo Award, Best Foreign Language Film, and winner for Reader's Choice Award, Best Foreign Language Film. Manichi Film <laughs> Concours, nineteen ninety six. I'm just mentioning these because there I've never seen these interesting award things here. Uh, the winner of the Manichi Film uh, Concours is Best Foreign Language Film. So I mean, obviously these are all overseas awards, and it's funny because it did not do well overseas at no. all. It only made like a million. That's it. Yeah. Um, National Board of Review, USA 1994. They won the MBR Award, Top 10 Films. Then we have the National Preservation Board, USA 19, or I'm sorry, 2015. Uh, winner for the National Film Registry, so it finally, so got, it finally put got in there huh? on the National Film Preservation Board. That wasn't long ago. <laughs> um, hearing how popular it is you think it would have been a lot sooner for the movie to pop up on the uh, yeah but it doesn't have to be out like 20 years which would nine uh, i guess 2015 yeah, would have been that's 20 true. years yeah that's right i think uh, we covered that didn't wasn't we it did. 20 years i'm not i can't remember exactly but i know there's someone I, there. i'll have to revisit the episode because i don't feel like looking up the information again. <laughs> <laughs> uh we have the penn center usa west literary awards 1995 winner literary award for screenplay frank darabont uh, and then we will wrap it up with the least they won this one. So we'll go USC Scripter Award 1995 winner USC Scripter Award Stephen King Arthur and Frank Darabont screenwriter. And what's that? The Writers Guild of America? Uh, yeah. Well, they were only nominated. Uh, the Writers Guild of America 1995 nominated for the WGA Award uh, for best screenplay based on material previously 
uh, produced or published Frank Darabont. So right. lots and lots so of nominations. So go ahead and read that synopsis. There's very, a synopsis just so we recover it again. So going over the synopsis, a Again. lot shorter than our impromptu synopsis is uh, <laughs> two men who meet in prison becomes friends for life. Ta-da! All right, so now we're going to go ahead and throw it over to our special guest so he can slaughter some names. Uh, he's never been on a podcast, so he's a little nervous. So you just gotta you just gotta jump in there and and, and and take it by the reins. So Patrick, go ahead and take away the cast for the Shawshank Redemption. One of the. Uh Starting with the cast members, the leading cast was uh, Tim Robbins as Andy Dufresne, uh, a banker sentenced to life in prison in 1947 for the murder of his wife and her lover. Morgan Freeman, who was nominated for many awards, as Ellis Boyd, Red Redding, a prison contraband smuggler who befriends Andy. Bob Gutton as Samuel Norton, the pious and cruel warden of Shawshank Penitentiary. Ed William Sadler as Hayward a member of Red's gang of long-serving convicts. He also had Clancy Brown as Byron Hadley, the brutal captain of the prison guards, Jill Bellows as Tommy Williams, a young convict in prison for burglary in 1965, James Whitmore as Brooks Hadlin, the elderly prison librarian in prison early in the 1900s. The cast also included Mark Rolston as Boggs Diamond, the head of the sister gang and prison rapist, Jeffrey DeMunn as the prosecuting attorney in Dufresne trial. Alfonso Freeman as Fresh Fish Con. Ned Bellamy and Don McManus as representative prison guards Youngblood and Wiley. Dion Anderson as the head bull hog. Renee Blaine portrays Andy's wife. And Scott Mann portrays her golf instructive lover, Gwen Quinton. Frank Madrano plays Fat Butt, one of Andy's fellow new <laughs> okay. inmates. No, no, just before, there, he is known as another name besides Butt. So, but well, you we're know, family we're friendly, family friendly so we changed we changed it to Butt. So there you have it. Continue. All right, uh, Andy's fellow new inmates who is beaten to death by Hadley. Bill Bolander plays Elmo Batch, a convict who may actually be responsible for the crimes of which Andy is convicted. James Kosicki and Claire Slemon portray the main national bank manager and teller, respectively. Now, here's some people that were either considered or tried out for or uh, wanted to do this. Uh, the one that I read the most about was Charlie Sheen. He really, really wanted to play Red. He even offered to do it for the actor's minimum. Oh, wow. Because uh, he loved the script so much. And that he he said that uh, I'll even put in a 30-minute uh, what is it like a showing his skills to play oh, red yeah, just yeah. so they could see that he could do it but they said no so okay go ahead Beth. take it some away. of the leading candidates that were considered for the part of red were Clint Eastwood Harrison Ford <laughs> nice. Paul Newman Robert Redford and Cindy Sidney Potier Portier yeah uh, the leading role of Andy Dufresne was considered by uh, for Jeff Bridges Tom Hanks Kevin Cosner, Tom Cruise, Matthew Broderick, Nicolas Cage, Johnny Depp, Charlie Sheen. And Nick, honest, Cage, Nick Cage pops up in a lot of these, don't he? He was just trying to get anything he could. I mean, I honestly think his... Uh, he probably could have played... His uh, agent what, to size him up for everything. I mean, he probably could have like. played the Tim Robbins role. They kind of look alike. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> kind of. And then on a side note, you have Tom Hanks turned down the role... 
because he was filming uh, Forrest Gump at the time, and Kevin Cosner loved the scripts, but he had to turn it down because he was filming Waterworld. I liked Waterworld. I enjoyed it. As, yeah. as a lot of people did, but I thought it was all right. So now we're going to explain it when I couldn't remember the movie, and I was really young when I watched it, and I'm like, what's that? It's like Mad Max, but water. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember when I went to go see it, and it was it was like one of the hottest days of the year. There was no air conditioner oh, there, no. and watching that, you know, where they're all in water and yeah, everything, yeah. you're like, this is just not good. <laughs> all right, so we're gonna talk about a little bit about this stuff. Uh, this there was so many notes on this, I had to cut a lot of it out because we'd be here till tomorrow still talking about and it. What we hired here, I wasn't and, sorry, I and we're camera. lucky we're sitting here doing this at all because I sat down to do it, and I. Um, Noticed, hey, okay, I'm going to reprint this. I had a little bit of, like, two sheets in the printer, and I said, okay, I'm going to put it in there. Then I had no computer paper. And I was like, <laughs> oh, strike one. So I went and found some scrap paper, put it in there just to print. So I started printing, uh, strike two, no ink. ink. <laughs> so I was like, this is, I think that attests to how long yeah, it's been like, <laughs> since we've used the printer. I was like, well, this is this is not going to be good. You so see, this is why you got to go to our Patreon and tragedy, <laughs> the tragedy or, of or cinema. Just, <laughs> you want to make a donation, you know, laptops, printers, you know, we take it all. Uh, so, um, so therefore, we went through all this, and we're going to pull out some gems out of this and talk about them. Uh, Pat, if you ever have anything to add to this, Terrence, you know Because we know you just love this movie. <laughs> He's never even seen. <laughs> uh, but yes, Morgan Freeman did consider this one of his favorite films of all time. That he's personally done. Oh, yeah, yeah. And... I mean, his his role in this What great. was really crazy is Stephen King uh, sold the rights to this for $1,000. Um, and the th- thing about this was, is since he was friends with Frank, he never cashed the check. He had, oh. it, had it framed. And not too long ago, he sent it back to Frank and <laughs> saying, hey, hang on to this in case you ever need bell money. Oh, <laughs> was like, that's just because that's how much Stephen King liked yeah, this movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? I thought that was pretty cool. So uh, Andy and Red's opening chat in the prison yard in which Red is throwing around the baseball uh, took nine hours to shoot. Wow. Morgan Freeman threw the baseball for the entire nine hours uh, wow. without a word of complaint. He showed up to work the next day with his arm in a sling. Oh, <laughs> I was like, wow. man. I mean, I, I see I you, mean, two, you, you, you two were playing ping pong while I was playing <laughs> this, and you guys were already sweating, arm hurting. So I can only imagine doing it for nine straight hours. So I mean, wow. he, he's, he's just he's a class act, though. Class. I mean, man, I uh, love him. He's Morgan a, Freeman, both on screen, off screen, just a gentleman through and through. And, like, okay, here's a question for you. This is an off script. If you could have a narration of your life, would you pick James Earl Jones or Morgan Freeman? I'd Samuel Jackson. No, Samuel could not be. <laughs> I would have to pick Morgan Freeman. I'm, what was that? Did he do that one about the penguins or whatever? Uh, the March of the Penguins? Was it the March of the Penguins yeah, that he penguins, did? Yeah. That was a great, just hearing him talk, you know what right? I mean? So, um, when Andy goes to the library to work uh, work with Brooks, remember Brooks is the older guy that runs the library, um, which they form a close bond, which I think Brooks's character to me was the most hard-hitting one in the film. Yeah. Because he's been in there so long, he loves the library, and then when his parole time comes up and the, he's getting released, yep. he doesn't know he doesn't know, he doesn't how, know to how to act outside of, back in, in society, society yeah. right? And, and you it know, becomes too much, and, 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 and it's, it's such it's terrible really tragedy because he ends up committing suicide. You know what I mean? And, and because he loved the prison and he loved the library thing that he did. I, I think which, it's the second biggest tra- like like that i'm sorry it, it's one of two like big tragedies i feel the first one being that one and then the second one is what happened to tommy yeah yeah yeah, yeah. uh but uh he always had that stupid bird with him. yeah <laughs> uh the hawk or, or the crow jake jake was his name remember and uh 
he's uh, Tim Robbins had the, had to time his line where he said, "Hey Jake, where's Brooks?" Because he would squawk um, because it wasn't trained bird, you know. What I mean, so he had to kind of throw it in there when he could. So yeah. Robbins was able to time his line perfectly by learning the bird squawking patterns <laughs> for the rider, which uh, Frank Darapar uh, praised him. Um, a big inspiration for this film for Frank was uh, watching Goodfellas every Sunday while shooting this film. He drew inspiration from it and uh, on using the voiceover narration and showing the passage of time, which if you've seen Goodfellas, they Great do movie. a lot of that. And they, yeah, they do. Um, let's see. Yeah, Stephen King, like I said, said this is one of his favorite film adaptations based on his own work. Uh, although it's never directly stated in the film, Brooks is in prison for allegedly murdering his wife and daughter after losing a streak at poker. The film's initial gross of $18 million could not even cover the cost of its production. It did another $10 million in the wake of its Oscar nominations, but the film was deemed to be a box office failure, as we like to call them here. Call it classics. So you can join Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. You can join The Breakfast Club. And what was the other I one? Know, right? uh, what was um, the other call classic we talked about? I can't remember. We've we talked have about a several. Uh, um, but yeah, this is truly a tragedy of cinema. The director, Frank uh, Darabont, uh, he decided not to have the deleted scenes put into any of the DVDs. He said because he was embarrassed by them. Oh, he doesn't want them to be seen publicly. You know what I mean? Bad. Wow. But, but I think a lot of the stuff you see on DVDs and stuff, like the deleted scenes and stuff, I think it brings uh, you full circle. You know what I mean? I, you like to see what could have been, what might have been. Well, or even, or even can, when you get Lord of the Rings where you throw oh, yeah. in the, the extended editions and it's like watching a whole entire different movie and you're Absolutely. like, why wasn't this in there? Oh, because I'd be sitting at the movie theater for 15 hours. You know what I mean? Right. Well, here's, here's what's interesting about deleted scenes is like sometimes you'll see a deleted scene and like, okay, I understand why they didn't put this in there. Um, sometimes a deleted scene could be like too on the nose with like, wow, okay, you're kind of just thinking that your audience isn't going to put two and two together. So it'll be like a super obvious thing where they want to just, let's point out this thing here. And you're like, uh, okay. Uh, sometimes it just doesn't fit the pacing of a film. Um, but sometimes, sometimes you're like, good. why wasn't this in there? And you're like, this should have been in there. Well, uh, what, but was, sometimes what was the movie they, we were talking about? Um, I think it was one of the Universal Monsters. I think it was the uh, Dracula. Remember with the lady in white? Yeah. And we were like, what happened there? Where'd and then we found from? out that there was a bunch of deleted <laughs> yeah. scenes for like, her. What happened here? And so I, sometimes I think it's you lose good scenes just because uh, you get, you know, whoever the producer is being like, but if you need gonna, to shorten this movie and you're like, well, all these scenes, we've already cut out the bad stuff. So, like, what do, we have to get rid of good stuff now. And so then you end up losing good scenes. Right. But if you're going to do that, then take away the part that shows that you cut a scene. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you're not left to wondering what, what might have been. Yeah. Okay, so um, in the close-up of Andy's hand uh, loading the revolver in the opening scenes, you remember? Oh, yeah. Uh, the hands are actually that of the director, Frank Darabont. Later in the film, when Andy carves his name in the uh, cell wall, which is seen twice in the film, his hands are used. Frank's hands are used again uh, for the insert shot. Those close-ups were filmed uh, during post-production because uh, Darabont felt they only he could do exactly what he wanted in the close-ups. Hmm. So I was like, man, that's taking your work. That's hands-on. Go do her. Uh, Raquel Welch from, uh, you know, the One Million Beers BC fame, uh, the poster that plays a critical role in the film because uh, nice. there's a tunnel that he carves behind that, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, because yeah. He, he, the thing about Andy is he was such a smart guy. He got along with everybody. Remember, he's doing the tax returns yep. for the guards and he gets then, his then buddies out up, uh, on work release. Updated up the library. Time. Yeah, the library because he wrote them what the was every day for like seven years, yep. every day. <laughs> so yep. they're like, he just won't give up. Uh, but she's a big fan of this film, uh, Raquel Welch. Um, at the end of the movie, there's a dedication to Alan Green. 
He was Frank Darabont's agent and also a close personal friend. He died just before the completion of the movie due to AIDS complications. Oof. Uh, uh, Rob Reiner. We all know who Rob Reiner is, right? Princess Bride. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he loved Frank's script so much that he offered $2.5 million for the rights to the script so he could direct it. Oh, wow. 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 Um, he wanted. He also wanted Harrison Ford and Tom Cruise to play Andy and Reed, respectively. Darabont seriously considered Reiner's offer, but ultimately decided that it was his chance to do something really great by directing the movie himself and even took a pay cut in order to be allowed to direct it. Wow. Which, I mean, all those awards. Yeah. Uh, to prepare for his role as Andy Dufresne, Tim Robbins actually spent some time in solitary confinement. He was asked, or he asked to be locked into solitary to get a fill for it. Although he knew his experience wouldn't be the same because it was actually voluntary to go in there and do it. Yeah. Instead of hey, you've been locked up. It's like if I said, okay, I'm going to go over here to the National Guard and watch them do basic training. Yeah. I there's no way that I could get the same experience that you had since you were actually in the military and did it. You see what yeah. I'm saying? So that's that's very kind of. I see the kind of the similarities to this. Um, this is the first IMBD title to have over two million votes. Wow. Okay. That's all impressive. Right. I that mean, is impressive. I mean, like what's all the rotten? Rot- do you know, happen to know what the Rotten Tomato score is on this? I can I'd, I'd kind of like to know yeah. that. Um, like we said, Stephen King sold the rights to his novel Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption for only a thousand dollars. Him and Darabont have become uh, short. Uh, uh, friends when the, he was writing a um, story called The Woman in the Room. Uh, Patrick, what is that? What was the Rotten score? The Rotten Tomato score was 90. Uh, Nine, okay, so we got a 90% for uh, just Fans overall. Oh. Um, audience score was 98. So okay. uh, critics took it a bit more harsh than uh <laughs> So we're right up there with the viewers. critics. Huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, the viewers, 98%. That's, uh, that's high. Like, there's not many of those. Um, yeah. And, you know, throughout the movie, Red is awful seeing uh, trafficking and contraband. You know, yeah. especially I mean, seeing he, Red. He's is, the go-to guy uh, to get stuff. He's got people. That's yeah, all he says. He's I got, got people. Yeah, I got people. But uh, he's often seen with a pack of serious. He gives a pack to Haywood. He gives one to Brooks. He gives one to Houghton. He gives, or, sorry, he gives one to Haywood, Brooks, Houghton, and uh, Laundry Leonard. Although he's never seen smoking in the film. Yep. I mean, in it's it's currency. In, right in, 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 in prison, in prison, right? Um, Much like the military, <laughs> when, after you're, the, when you're in the field. It's, after this film gained popularity, Ted Turner sold the television rights to TNT, his own network, for much lower than normal for such a big film. Because it is so inexpensive to show, the film is broadcast on TNT extremely often. <laughs> you would be flipping through, oh, it's on again. Oh, so that's why sometimes you're on watching. Not so much today, I, I guess, but back in the day, man, you'd be on TNT. It'd be like watching this show, watching this show. It's the yep. same show over and over and over. You're like they just showed this, but that's probably why. And this is one that I thought was really, really interesting. The American Humane Society monitored, monitored the filming of scenes involving Brooks's crow. What? <laughs> During the scene where he is fed, uh, where he feeds it a maggot, the American Humane Society objected on the grounds that it was the cruelty, to, it was cruelty to the maggot, uh. and required that they use a maggot that had died from natural causes. Wow. All right. What was found and the scene was filmed. So they were uh, just nitpicking. They were just come on, man. Um, you know, survival of the fittest. It's nature, dude. Yeah. How are you going to... For a maggot? Yeah. I mean, I can see dog cruelty, you know, maybe. Uh, uh, cat cruelty. But a maggot? What about an ant? You walk around and step on the ground <laughs> and an ant, you know what I mean? I just thought that one was just kind of off the wall. Uh, despite the film's box office failure, Warner Brothers shipped 
320,000 rental copies to U.S. video stores. Oh, wow. A figure a spokesman uh, freely admitted was out of whack with the film's performance in theaters. The film became the most rented video of 1995 and one of the highest grossing video rentals of all time. Oh, so that's that the, blockbuster Hollywood video? That all used to be a thing. <laughs> yeah, all that stuff. Um, well, this was shot in Mansfield, Ohio. While Mansfield locals were eager to be extras, uh, many weren't available during the day due to their jobs or only available for one day, which obviously would not work in a prison film. So extras were found at a halfway house, some of them real-life ex-cons. So, wow. Nice. Keep it, <laughs> keeping it realistic. Uh, the exteriors were filmed at the defunct Ohio State Reformery uh, in Mansfield, Ohio. The prisoner, or the sorry, the prison was in such poor condition that renovations had to be made prior to filming. However, most of the interiors were shot on a soundstage because they deemed it would be cheaper to build duplicates of the interior rather than renovate the interior of the prison. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, since the film schedule was very tight in Mansfield, Ohio, anyone who held up the production time was threatened to be fined. Wow. Tim Robbins and William Sadler showed up late once, but were never fined. Uh, filming in Mansfield uh, finished ahead of schedule. That's got to be hard, you know what I mean? Oh, especially, yeah. especially somewhere like that where a lot of it was shot outside. Yep. So, um, although set in Maine, the success of the movie helped boost the fortunes of Mansfield, Ashland, and Upper Sandusky, Ohio. I know we got some listeners up there. Uh, I know Patrick Sheehan's up there and Keith Mahalik and a couple others. Hello, Ohioans. And, uh, <laughs> Is that what you call them? <laughs> the Buckeyes. Uh, three towns that share 13 sites used as a location. Tourism has increased every year since the Shawshank Redemption had its premiere. And according to the Mansfield Richland County Convention and Visitors Bureau, the movie brought in more than 18,000 visitors and produced an estimated $3 million boost to the local economy in 2013 alone. Wow. Wow, yeah. Um, by the way, when the, when they have their open editions for the Mansfield, uh, for that that they had uh, so much interest was shown that no more people were accepted after three p.m. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we're gonna be in a movie. Uh, the three times, and I thought this was very telling. The three times that Red meets with the parole board. Yeah. The first time they tell him to sit. The second time he goes in, uh, they tell him to sit down. Yep. And then the third time, uh, it's like, please sit down. So you yep. can see that you know they're seeing, starting to see what he's doing. He's been in there about thirty or forty years. Yeah. By the end. And when he actually gets, because yeah, they always show him stamped, you yeah. know, rejected or denied, you know, yep. rejected, denied, and then he actually gets. Which is a pretty out. common trope in like prison movies. There's the whole, you know, you get in front, they they get in front of the parole board, and then it's the reject stamp or the accept stamp. You know, right. there's always that sort of uh, um, uh, crescendo for the prisoner. You know, uh, this movie was in in 2013 alone. This movie was given 151 hours, six days, seven hours of airtime on U.S. channels. Yeah, it's on TV a lot. A lot. <laughs> uh, this is voted number one must-see movie of all time by listeners of Capital FM in London, England. All right, London. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there is now a Shawshank Trail for tourists, so you can go on the Shawshank Trail. And local businesses have jumped on the bandwagon. In that part of Ohio, you can pick yourself up some ref- reformatory red wines, Shawshank bunt cakes, and the local Two Cousins Pizzas sells redemption pie. <laughs> that's, that's funny. Why not embrace it if people are coming for it? Yeah. Uh, this is including, of course, on the 1001 movies you must see before you die. Uh, Frank wrote this script in only eight weeks. Oh, okay. Which, I mean, it's not 
like John Hughes who writes it overnight. <laughs> overnight. You know? but pretty, I wrote this movie yesterday. Let's get to filming. Yeah, this is the second film. That, now, you know how we say everything ties together in the podcast, yeah. usually. Now, just what we said in our last episode about what we're going to be doing with uh, Twilight Zone. Yep. Right? Which was coming. We're, we're working. I'm trying to... We want to do an introductory episode of the Twilight Zone with Rod Sterling, so we set it up. Yeah. But... This film is the second time that James Whitmore, who plays Brooks in the film, played an incarcerated character who fears release. The first was the Twilight Zone episode on Thursday, We Leave for Home in 1963. So we'll see that guy again. Uh, this is ranked number 10 in Entertainment's weekly top 50 cult films of all time. Uh, the film shows Morgan Freeman extensively using his left hand throughout the story. He is naturally left-handed until the road traffic accident in 2008, which affected his use of his left arm and hand since. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Do you remember when he had that accident? I do. Do you? No, no I don't I'm trying to remember the accident. What, what happened? Uh, he was in a bad car wreck, I think. Huh. You want to look it up, Pat, and you can tell us what happened in 2008. Uh, Morgan Freeman accident, yeah. Um, and here's another interesting one that you'll find. Uh, Clancy Brown, Captain Hadley, and Mark Ralston, Boggs Diamond, have voiced Lex Luthor in Superman cartoons. Ah, that's awesome. So, um, like I said, there was a lot more information we could have thrown out about this. But uh, I just because it's a big cool classic movie, it's just like this huge packet. We wanted to keep things at a decent time, especially for our first normal episode back in right. Uh, So while Patrick's looking that up, we'll go ahead. Let's give me your thoughts on this uh, movie, there, Terrence. So as I explained off mic uh, when we were talking about the movie shortly after we, uh, you know, the next day after we both watched it. Um. I say it was. It's better as a book, and not in the context of like, oh man, the, the it left so much out from the book and everything. No, I mean it's it's a it's a decent. It's a good story. It's a decent movie. I'm not gonna say it's a good movie just because I think it's a better read. It's one of the because of the pacing of the movie and just because it's uh, it's a lot slower. It just reads better. Um, so I mean it's a it's good enough to watch once. Um, but at least for me, it's not a, a watch multiple kind, multiple times kind of movie, and it, it's not very much of like, man, this is one of my favorite cult classics. Uh, it's a good movie. I'm a huge fan of Morgan Freeman. Um, but that, I mean, that's pretty much my take. Like, indifferent, what I, I guess would be the best term for how I feel about the movie. It's like it's not, it's not bad, but for me, it's not good either. Uh, I'd say Morgan Freeman's performance was great. But um, I guess overall, uh, it tells a good story. But like, like you, another thing you were saying off mic was just, uh, I'd rather watch The Read Mile. Right. Which is a great prison story. Right. Um, for me, like I said, I watched this twice because the first time I was in a bad mood watching it. You know, you, <laughs> you hear the hype over a movie so much and so much that you're like, okay. And Maybe then you get in there was, and, you, you know? and you get just drugged down. You know what I mean? And I hadn't seen it until recently. Uh, so I was like, I'm going to watch this again before we do the podcast. You know, just to make sure I wasn't in like a, a, a bad mood or something. Yeah. And then, you know, I appreciate good good uh, stories. But to me, this, the whole, hey, I didn't, ki- I didn't kill my wife. You know, I got blamed for it. To me, yeah. I'd rather watch The Fugitive with Harrison Ford. That's one of yeah. That's a great movie. Just because, um, I don't know, the... I mean, the acting, I mean, like I said, Morgan Freeman, outstanding. And I don't know why he didn't win more awards for this. Yeah, um, a lot of nominations, not, not like a handful the, of awards. I really liked how, um, remember, uh, all he wanted was to get one of the, what was it, the rock hammer? 
Yeah. And he's like, well, he's like, just, just trust me, you know. And it's just a little bitty handheld thing. Yep. And they said that what was it that he chiseled away at that wall for, for years. years, just a little bit, and then they would, you know, he would take uh, the rocks out to the yard through his pant legs and drop them out there every night or you know yep. the next morning. And he hangs a Raquel Welch poster of one million years, uh, one million years BC up, and the, he climbs the hole. He climbs down through the thing. He runs through the drainage, yeah. Um, and he gets out, you know, and uh, he ends up leaving a note for Red or sending Red a note. Says, yep. "Hey, meet me here," you know, because well, they always talk about it. No, first he says, it, "Go you know? over to the Red Oak Tree." Right, but I'm saying they. Uh, yeah. he, he he's been you know, hey, if we ever get out of here, um, you know, he's like, this "I'm is gonna, what we're gonna do." Yeah, yeah, and then he's like, "There's something I want you to have." He's like, "Go over to this tree under this rock, you know, move this stone that shouldn't be there, and then you'll see this." And uh, he's like, I want you to meet me, I think it's in Mexico somewhere, yeah, and, Mexico. and uh, we're going to do this, build this boat, and live out our lives. Um, and I thought it was really cool how he conned everybody, that guy, out of all of his money, remember, and oh, framed yeah. him at the well, end? Like, because he, he put it into uh, a sort of a, um, I, don't, I don't remember what the term was, He put it into an account under a fake name. They were fake accounts, remember? They were and all he fake went, And he went and so he drew he it all. And he but this person, all but this person never existed. It was actually exactly. him. Yeah. So, um, to me, like I said, it was worth a watch. Um, but to me, I think the movie, because it was set in prison the entire time for the most part. Yeah. Um, I think for as long as they were in there, that the time jumps were a little... I wish they would have said like three years later or yeah. something. Yeah, at least let me know because I'm thinking, hey, it's the next time. day. You yeah, know what right? I mean? And uh, I figured out what this movie makes me want to watch. Cool hand, Luke. Well, true. I mean... Um, like I said, uh, Brooks, the older guy, uh, did a great movie. Yeah. And, 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 but, but see, Morgan Freeman said he's like, look, he's like, uh, even when he got out, he was like, remember he was struggling at the grocery store because yep. he was like, you know, uh, the, everybody had been lost in prison. You know, that's that was their home. That was what they focused on. And now they're out in society where everything's different. You know, yep. like when Brooks gets out and there's cars driving around, he's like, huh, huh, you know, and like, I, get out I, of the I way, old that, man. It, it kind of speaks a lot to just how we treat uh, anybody who's incarcerated in general, um, even those with m- more minor offenses who still have to spend a good chunk of time, is is we don't do anything really at all to prepare them to be integrated back into society. It's it's more or less just a place to hold them, and that's it. Like we could improve, and oh, it's well, it's and it, it's interesting because you know this is back in '94. Um, and it's the same story today. Like nothing's right. changed. It's it's still a, a for-profit industry where it, we're not trying to rehabilitate them and then reintegrate. All right, let me ask you a question then. This is, and I and I just want a short answer because I don't want to dive, deep dive into oh, this. Oh yeah, okay. yeah, of course. A lot of the states now are legalizing marijuana. Yep. Right. Now, as a society, do you think we should? retribute them people that have been incarcerated for the marijuana use over the last x years absolutely or is it just because that was a law then and now it's not that we don't look back at that you see what i'm saying no i i think i definitely think they should be let go just because no no right more or less because you know i'm not gonna get into it but for the simple fact that there were so many people who were quote unquote set an example or got the book thrown at them, uh, so to speak? Like, uh, for example, I believe there was not too long ago, maybe a couple of years back, um, I believe there's a woman who got caught for like just like one joint or whatever, and then she got 15 years. Right. So, um, 
Well, that's that's a whole other show. <laughs> we'll have to open that up on a, on the the tragedy of cinema political boat. <laughs> so, um, Patrick, did you find out anything about the uh, accident? Yeah, in the uh, 2008 accident that Freeman had, he had rolled his car several times. Uh, they had confirmed that pretty much he had fallen asleep at the wheel. He uh, broke his arm, broke his elbow, and had minor shoulder damage, which is yeah. on the left arm. Yeah, which if you're left-handed, that's tragic. Yeah. Right. Um, I know we had a kid in high school that um, ended up punching a glass. He punched through a glass yeah. you know, out of anger, and then without thinking, he pulled it back. Ooh. So when he pulled it back, it, it just his arm, yep. it was just he had surgeries and all that, so he had to become left-handed yep. or vice versa. So, yeah, uh, yeah that's, that's that can be tragic. Um, so Patrick will be joining us again tomorrow and this is his spot because me and Terrence do not know what he's going to say we are going to make you guys hold him accountable we want it on this podcast Patrick what What will we be covering tomorrow are we going to cover yeah or the next time we record which should be tomorrow shotgun it out because we're on the clock (laughs) All right. well one of my uh, Top movies growing up that I enjoyed a lot uh, as a kid. It's a venture that a lot of people, especially young young men, like to do is uh, The Goonies. So we go, okay, so there you have the it, Goonies. folks. We will be talking about The Truffle Shuffle tomorrow. <laughs> the Hey You Guys. <laughs> uh, hey, you kind of like, kind of look like a Chunk there, don't you? Get you some suspenders and Superman shirt on. Uh, so yeah, so look for another episode tomorrow about the Goonies. Um, also, I'm working on the introduction to the Twilight Zone series, and episode one should be coming shortly. Um, like I said, those will be quick, uh, 10, 15 minutes, hopefully, unless, unless we get carried away and it just out, goes. It's a fun series, and we decided right. to do something with it. Um, also, if you looked on our Facebook, I gave a sneak peek at some of our uh, merchandise yes. uh, that we're working on. Um, Sad to say that I went back to look at it again. It's all gone. Oh, no. So um, <laughs> I have reached out to one of our international listeners, uh, Patricia in Australia. She's yeah. going to be looking at that as soon as her internet gets back up because of all the fires and everything. Yep. You know, they've been having problems. Uh, so I think uh, for them, it's different because she's like, uh, it's terrible here. So she has a ticket in, but they won't get seen till like February 5th. Oh, wow. And this was last week. And I was yeah. like, man, that's like a month without internet. What would you do? Yeah. My kids would flip out. <laughs> uh, so uh, she's going to be looking at that. It's like you can have the range. You can you can make onesies for the kids. <laughs> you know, whatever socks, whatever you've seen a lot. I of mean, it. like I couldn't imagine. I mean, I I'm without my phone because I forget <laughs> you're, it at home for like an hour, like, and I'm like, oh no, <laughs> my life is different, and everything is not how I want it right. anymore. I don't so, have information at my fingertips. I can't win arguments. Right. <laughs> so we have that. Um, we have. The Facebook, the Tragedy of Cinema podcast group on Facebook, which is a lot of fun. Throw in a lot of do- different facts and stuff. Um, you can reach us at the Tragedy of Cinema at gmail.com. If you'd like to come on the show, if you have any questions, if you have a, a review, please leave us on uh, Apple Podcast or um, anywhere you listen. I can usually find them. Um, that leave any, comments. Yeah. Any international reviews. I got a couple of people that look for us. So if you're in another country... Um, which I think we've hit like Honduras and a couple other ones this week. I was yeah. looking at it's, oh, it's this pretty week? crazy. I don't yeah, know. I, no, no, I'm, I'm just saying it's pretty date. crazy. Yeah. We, we we hit a couple more nice. uh, nations. I think we're in 27 nations now, so it's pretty cool. Um, so we're taking the the globe by storm. <laughs> and I don't know how people still listen to us because we're just two nobodies. <laughs> you know that bring in nobodies as guests. So uh, yeah, but we have fun as long as we keep having fun. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, it, just, that's, it was just a rough it. start to the end of the year and the beginning of the year for me. Uh, a lot of things were happening. I mean, it is for most, most Right, but we, 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 we're trying people. to get back in the swing of things. Yeah. So this week's really a good well, test. This, is, this, a this week is getting us back on the wagon. Right. So, um, well, with that being said, I think, did I forget anything about where we're uh, 
Anywhere else you can find us? I mean, we, you can find us. Yeah, anywhere. just go back and listen to an old episode. It's all on there. Uh, well, with that being said, I think this episode's coming to a close. And that's yeah. a wrap. Yep. And, and cut. cut.